Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I went to my car and I cried, how are we going to do this? How do we keep our family safe? There's Jesse, Nettles, Purdy, and I'm actually planning a wedding for the goats at Halloween. We're all in the war. We're all in the war now. You know, they're here. We're looking after them, and rightly so. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with P.J. Lads, you collect the weirdest of things. Uh, Casey and Ross started the ball rolling on this earlier on. The weird collections that are out there. We'll come to some of them. We started getting them in yesterday at the end of the show after we talked to Derek, who collects tractors and motorbikes, like old tractors and old motorbikes. And we got a few in. There's one from... Coogan Towers, which if you were an ardent listener, you'll have heard before Christmas. We've got, well, there's my mug collection, and then there's another one. Uh, we're getting some in, some some ideas in, some people collecting the weirdest of things. The weirdest of things. Get to that. Also, a story later, and just someone who contacted us yesterday in relation to one of the conversations we were having. We were talking about knife crime. Do you remember that? Talking about the Lord Mayor, first of all, about knife crime. And she had the idea for a knife amnesty where you could just hand in your knife, no questions asked. But secondary to that, she was looking for mandatory sentencing. Five years if you're caught in possession of a knife. Ten years if you actually use that knife, as she said herself. If you're out walking the streets with a knife at one o'clock in the morning, you're not, you don't have it for peeling spuds. Then we got a call relating to that and a little evidence if ever evidence was needed lads your smart speakers and your phones and your tablets and probably even your computers or your tellies they're listening to you if it's smart it's listening to you proof of that in a later conversation this morning but first of all just as we were getting off the air we were hearing yesterday about this great news from Middleton where a syndicate of 64 people had won half a million euro in the Euro Millions lottery and they were all based at St. Coleman's Community College and the word was just going around as we were getting off here yesterday we were talking to the owner of the shop 
in Middleton where they bought the ticket. He knew who it was. He knew it was a syndicate, but at that point he wasn't able to tell me who it was. And before we got off the air, we knew it was a syndicate of teachers and staff at St. Coleman's Community College in Middleton. Delighted for them all. But front page of the examiner this morning there's a lovely story and a lovely photograph of all the members of the syndicate, Rebecca Walsh and Carmel Cowman in the front of that picture with the ticket I think it's Rebecca has the ticket in her hand and it's a fabulous, I mean anyone picking up half a million in a lottery is a great story in itself, a syndicate of a load of friends and colleagues is a great story in itself, but there's another story behind this lottery win. Um, so Rebecca, fill us in. Good morning. Rebecca Walsh is the school secretary and the coordinator of the lottery syndicate in St. Coleman's. What is the story, Rebecca? Morning. So basically, uh, I've been doing the, the Euro Millions here for us for the last six six years nearly and yeah. um, we've never really had much luck um, but uh, sadly a staff member of ours passed away back in November. Right. So it was hard turn to do the Euro Millions for us so um, I, what I did is I, I used the winnings that we've won since September um, to do the Euromillion for us in her honour, in her memory. Oh, I see. Oh, was, oh, I see the way you pass it around. It was her turn and she... So we all take a turn, yeah. So we everybody puts their name down the seat and they'll spend 35 euros on their that date that they picked. I see, I see. So it was her turn and um, I used the winnings, as I said, in her in her memory. And Maeve, Maeve won us. 500,000 euros. That's absolutely. 64 of us. How much each? About 7,800. Yeah, 7, yeah, a bit over 7,000. Uh, we got the calculator out here. 7,812 and 50 yeah. cents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were 26 euros in, the, in another ticket. So she, she won us a little bit more. Oh, so it's that just brings it up another couple. The behind us is just absolutely amazing. It is an amazing story. So tell me about her. Yeah. So sadly, May has passed away very suddenly last November. And, um, she working here for a very long time, and her sister works here as well. She's a teacher with us as well here, so uh, her sister is very proud. proud and and what did Maeve do in the school, Rebecca? Maeve was a science teacher and a math teacher. Yes, I see. Young person. Yeah, um, uh, 50, in her mid fifties. Very mid-50s, young. Yeah. Very. Young. Yeah, and Maeve actually taught me while I went to school here as well. She taught me in junior cycle, so we were have. Uh, and I'm working here nearly twenty years. Twenty years in September, so we we had a big bond, myself and Maeve. Yeah. So um. She was always a dedicated Euromillion player, and uh, she, she was looking down on 64 of us. I'm sure she was, and that, that's absolutely brilliant. Oh, the story behind it is just, we're, we're all, we're all, we can't believe it, you know. And but, who um, realised the numbers had come up? Who, who spotted it well, first? Well, well, I did it at lunchtime in one of the local shops, and when I woke up this morning, I had a few messages from people saying that the saying that there was one in the local one of the local shops so I ran down the stairs and I checked the ticket and the first ticket had no winner the second ticket has 26 euros in it and the third ticket told me that I had one big to contact national headquarters oh so I said this can't be right like you know what I mean because the most we ever won was 300 euros in one go and that yeah. was a couple of years ago so when you get so, to it you ha- when you have the winning numbers and you put them in to check you get a message then to say contact so, yeah. Well, it was a, the scanner on the app that told me to contact headquarters. It was okay. a scanner through the app, you see. Okay, so okay. So then, I, of course, I rang them at 7 o'clock this morning and uh, they weren't open till quarter past nine, so <laughs> it was the longest hour of my life, two hours of my life. 
So um, I contacted them and they told me that I was after winning 500,000 euros. Yeah. How do you receive yeah. that news when they tell you that? Well, I tell you, I kind of knew it was us. If, so I kind of had prepared myself mentally. Did you let you a know, little scream know, out, though? When you know, you know. You know, that kind of way. Yeah. Um, did I let a scream out? I, I couldn't because I had I had a lot of people to tell. Um, so, like, I, the people who came in before I sent out the notification knew extra courses spread like boy for them before I got in the email. But um, it was just, it was just... Amazing. It's it's a lovely oh, story. It's a lovely, it's a sad story, story I guess, about me. Sad but beautiful because if, if we had won a thousand euros or if we had won a five or each, it was a story behind us that's making it. It's not about the money. Yeah. The money is irrelevant. Yeah. It was a story behind us winning, you know? Yeah. And we've, uh, there's 64 people here today that, that are nearly 8,000 euros richer today, so it's fantastic. Yeah, it's seven thousand eight hundred and twelve yeah. fifty. And I suppose you'll reinvest the other twenty six quid, will you? <laughs> we feel like so might buy a bottle of champagne for us or something like That'd that. Be a plan. That'd yeah, be a plan. Yeah. So will but, you go will you go to do you what what happens with claiming it now? Do you go up to Dublin and stuff like that? Well, the sixty four I'm waiting out to some settle down before headquarters uh, ring me back again, but the sixty four of us are invited to Dublin to collect this, that's completely up to us. So what Many I'm gonna bus? do is I'm gonna Oh, maybe a double-decker. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a double-decker. But look, I'll see who wants to come along for the journey. The more the merrier. I would love if we all went up. It'll obviously be a Saturday because I don't think um, I don't think management would like us all going during the weekday to be known. Probably as not. Probably not. Rebecca. I'm absolutely delighted for everybody. It's, it's, it's low. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's great that we get a local win. It's great that we get a decent win. It's nice that it's a syndicate and everyone gets a few quid, but exactly. the, sto- the story of Maeve is just lovely. It's, it's, it's just, it's surreal, you know? It's surreal, the story behind it. As I said, the money is not important, it's the story behind it right. that, matter, that matters to us today, you Con- know? Congratulations to everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, and thank you, thank Maeve. You. And thank you, Maeve. Thank you, Maeve. It wasn't me. I may have bought the tickets, but at the end of the day, it wasn't me that won it. All you right. know, and... We all believe that. All right, PJ. Thank you, Rebecca. Take care and thanks. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Ah, that's lovely. You know, well, it's sad that obviously Maeve died so suddenly, but her turn came around to do the lottery in the office. So, as the coordinator, Rebecca did it for her, using some winnings they'd collected. It's just such a lovely story. There's got to be other stories like that out there. You know, did you ever win something where you might have put your dad's name in or your mom's name in after they'd passed away? Did did you ever win something or did something happen that you were waiting to happen? Did you get called for a job interview? Did you get a job after an interview? And and you think, you feel that, that someone who'd gone before you had helped you with it. Did it ever happen? That ever happened? I'd love to hear those stories. There's loads of them out there. Loads of them out there. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. There's a car accident at the Fox and Hounds, just the junction there by the pub in Ballavalan. There's no traffic lights, so their person who contacted us had just come through that junction. Don't know if there's anybody hurt or anything like that. Hopefully not. But uh, Fox and Hounds Junction there, uh, a car accident in the last while. We'll do it again after 11 this morning. Live free in 23 with Cork Credit Unions. We were, yesterday's qualifier said it's the best giveaway she's ever seen 
on Cork's 96 FM and it'll take some beating, you know. There's a 2,000 euro holiday, there's 1,000 euro worth of fuel for the car or for the home, 500 euro hair and beauty, 500 euro worth of takeaways and plenty more besides. We'll do it after 11. Looking for another qualifier and what you need to do is when we tell you, you'll text us in and then we'll pick someone and we'll ring them randomly on the air and they have to answer with the right words. I want to live free with Cork's 96FM. Your collections too. We'd love to hear your weird collections. Eva says, (laughs) Eva says I have a collection of useless men. That's an awful thing to say, Eva, about your husband and children. Or is that who you're talking about? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Is our love for Belters only making you feel good? Or has Lewis Capaldi got you thinking? Forget him. What I want. Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Corks ninety six FM music panel? Take our ten minute music survey, and you could win a one hundred euro penny voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. C96FM.ie Join the conversation Email opinion at 96FM.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Cox 96FM We've also got the best comment of the week This is a slam dunk I'll, I'll, I'll hold you out on it for a little while Do you remember yesterday we were talking to Kim about the paranormal investigators who spent the night in City Hall earlier this week and they heard something in the Lord Mayor's office that that kind of put the wind up them and they're listening back to their recordings to see was it exactly what they think it was but they think that someone said hello to them and someone said yes to them in the Lord Mayor's office in the dead of night. I'll come back to that because we had an absolute home dinger of a response on the text to that. 0818969696. Something else we talked about yesterday was kids and obesity. And I was reading from a new report or a new recommendation from pediatricians in America who reckoned that we should now, as well as watching for our children's, say, eyesight, hearing, speech development, all those little milestones that kids have to pass as they grow up, we should also be watching their weight and watching for early signs of obesity. And then we should be teaching our kids to avoid obesity without stigmatising, but teaching them to eat what's best for them, to eat what's not going to make them F-A-T, that kind of thing. It broadened out then to a discussion on home economics, and I made the point that I wish home economics was taught to every kid. I wish back in my time, that I had done home economics because, and I, I'm not ashamed to say it. I've said it so many times before. I left home to get married and start my own house. Uh, I could barely boil an egg. I could barely boil an egg, and I didn't know how to use an iron. Truth, absolute truth. Home economics would have been so much use, more useful for me to learn how to cook and to use proper nutritious food, make a few simple. Recipes like I can just about do shepherd's pie or I can just about make uh, make spaghetti and meatballs without killing somebody. But I should have been able to do that leaving school and learn how to use healthy, proper food and not be buying processed crap. I should have known that and I should have learned it maybe in school. Andrew, you agree it's uh, home economics should be part of everybody's learning. Good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. How are you? How are you, boy? Um, yeah, yeah, good. I'm good, thanks. Um, yeah, it just struck a chord with me when you said about home economics, and I was just thinking, um, I think the whole curriculum, uh, the school curriculum, we said a second level education, is it's it's a bit dated in its current form. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of emphasis put on subjects we say like history, learning about the past. That's well and good, but you know we need to educate these kids for when they, when they leave school. Yeah. Um, like even I've always said it, the um, I find the whole leave and search system um, flawed. That you're you're testing these kids on what two weeks in June. It's not a test of intelligence. It's a test of memory. What they can, you know, what they can remember. You could have the most intelligent student out there, get nervous on the day, oh, yeah. and just make, you know, make a balls of their leaving cert or junior cert, and they judge on that for, you know, the foreseeable future. But like it was what you just said about the home economics. Yes, there should be more emphasis. There should be more emphasis put on mental health. Um, Topics that they have to deal with in the real world when they when they leave school. Yeah. I suppose there is a place, Andrew, for history and geography and French and Spanish and, and all those things. But I know many. Oh, there people, is, yes. Many, many of my peers, we left school, didn't know how to read a payslip. You know, right, that okay. kind of thing. You know. Yeah, yeah but what I'm kind of saying, like we say, I've, I've done nothing. I've, I've done history myself. I've done honours history and gone on and on. In the workplace, there's very few positions then what would be, we say, a librarian, you know? There's very few positions like that that you would need history for. Yeah. I mean, okay, so a, lot a, of a basic knowledge of history relevant. will improve your journalism. If you want to be a journalist, basic, yeah. a basic knowledge of history mm. will improve your ability as a, as a journalist. But it's of no use to you if you want to be a, a civil no. engineer, for example. Exactly, exactly. Or even just the, the life skills themselves. Yeah, but everybody um, needs to cook. Everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs to know what's good for them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you, you'd be all for home economics as 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 a full time subject and, for everybody. And more. Yeah, and more subjects. You know, just to shake up the whole the system itself. It's, it's just become, you know, just outdated in my mind. You know, you know. I mean, that that education system is there. I don't know. It's probably since the sixties or fifties. Oh God! It's before that. It's a. It's before that. It's as old. Yeah. It's as old uh, as the hills. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. Um, yeah, it is just um, it's just it just struck a chord with me. Okay. okay. Um, the, the other the other point that I just would like to make is regarding the um, the voice that was heard in the city hall. Yes. Yes. The the yes. You know. No, PJ. I'm in no way surprised that there was a voice heard. Yeah. What I'm surprised with you is sent that this in, in wasn't it? Was you heard this? What? Was you sent yeah. this in? What did? What yes, do yeah. you think they heard? And no, I said what I said was that um, I'm no way surprised that a voice was heard in the city hall. I'm just surprised that someone in the city hall actually said yes to something. <laughs> maybe it was the uh, maybe it was the yes to the convention centre. Yeah, that yeah, well, that one, yeah. What you said was, uh, for goodness sake, yes. Now that I know, it must have been you. Yeah, I know you text us a lot. Uh, you said it was Terence McSweeney saying yes to the convention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Andrew, cheers, good man. <laughs> <laughs> Mischievous. Doesn't look like anybody hurt at Fox and Hounds. Uh, thank you, Donal. No lights, just a tip. Uh, nobody hurt at the Fox and Hounds. Good to know. Andrew, thanks. 0818 96 96 96. Any more of those collections? Yeah, we got an email about Patrick's Hill. Where did I put it? This came in, yes, I think from Jamie. 
around the corner I park there every morning so I know Patrick's Hill well and there are a lot of steps and a lot of ups and downs and a lot of broken pavements there I wanted to put a few points to you says Jamie uh, something happened today and I definitely need PJ on the case for this I was on my way back from lunch yesterday walking up Patrick's Hill when a man coming down the other way misplaced his step and went down in a heap he hit his head his glasses went into his eye and he landed very heavily on his shoulder. So he couldn't get up. He needed to go to hospital. Got me thinking. I'm no engineer, but there must be a way to design that entire footpath better than having steps on such a steep hill. Because it's easy to miss your footing and you can take a very heavy fall just like that man did. Is there some better way? Could there be more steps or a bit of a ramp or a railing or something people could catch on to if they start to fall? Something they could do. I'm not an engineer, he says, but there's got to be some way to do it. Just putting it out there, I hope someone would do something about it. Because working in the area, it's not the first time that I've seen people fall or heard of people getting a bad fall. The man wasn't elderly, but I can imagine an older person taking the same crack on the head and their shoulder, and that had been a very serious injury. So maybe some decision-maker out there would hear this and save a lot of grief and agony, and maybe even life-changing injuries for some older people. Thank you from Jamie. And actually, Jamie, as I read your email, I was thinking of something. At the moment, I'm carrying a little bit of an injury to my left Achilles. It's very mild. It's nothing serious at all, just a little bit sore from time to time. But I was trying to figure out what the hell happened. What on earth happened? How did I get that? Because, you know, I'm not, the, I'm not the best exerciser in the world. Do you know what I mean? But I finally tracked it down. And I, my chiropractor, who looks after me and all these things, said to me, you must have jarred that leg or gone over on that leg or something. And I know what it was. It was towards the end of last summer. I was coming in here one morning and I needed to go. I parked the car and I was walking up to the door of 96FM and I realised I needed to go back for something. I forgot something from the car. So I went back and I stepped off the pavement there on the left side of Patrick's Hill as you go down. And as you know, that pavement, you don't know what height it is. It's not a uniform height. It's probably difficult to do that on a hill. But bear with me for a second. I went across where I thought was perhaps a four or five inch drop. And I was in a hurry, whatever. It was nearly a foot. So my entire body weight went down on on the left foot. Now, I didn't fall, but I knew about it for the rest of the day. And that, as far as I can trace, is how I managed to jar my left Achilles which is still, no, it's fine, it's much better, it's almost healed up. But it was, it's was it been sore right through Christmas and the New Year. And that happened to me, I would say, September time. So, nothing like what happened to that poor man. I hope he's all right, Jamie. And uh, That took an awful fall on Patrick's Hill the other morning, as Jamie said, at lunchtime. He misplaced his step, went down like a ton of bricks, hit his head, broke his glasses, glasses went into his eye, and he hurt his shoulder. And he had to go to hospital. 0818-969696. Patrick Street, or Patrick's Hill rather, we love it. It's part of our city. Every Corkman loves Patrick's Hill. The view from the top, dragging your arse up it to try and get to the top. 
you know, it, it, up at the top of it is the marvellous vista of Bell's Field. But it's dangerous walking up and down Patrick's Hill. Thanks, Jamie. 0818969696 on home economics. Kate, both boys and girls need practical topics like home economics and maintenance and repair of clothes and how cars work and how to get things going in an emergency, painting and so on. That man, Andrew, is totally right. We never use the skills we learn at school. In 23. We'll cut the cost of living for one loyal listener. With the ultimate live free grand prize. On Cork's 96 FM. Win a holiday. Free fuel. Supermarket shopping. Computers and electrical. Concert tickets. Fashion and beauty. Free food. And a credit union account with cash. Spending money. Money. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long. For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. Live free in 23. With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. <laughs> Only on Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, this came in from Susan. I read Jamie's email a while back about the man... He saw falling very heavily on Patrick's Hill in the last couple of days. Man fell so heavily he needed to go to hospital. I was telling you about how I managed to track just this little niggle I have in my Achilles back to a stumble I got or a misplacement of my foot on Patrick's Hill way back last last autumn. It's nothing really. I just had traced it back to that. And then Susan says, Hi PJ, love the show. Just wanted to get in touch. I had a fall coming down Patrick's Hill Not too long ago, I was going to work in the city centre and I fell walking down those uneven steps, fractured my wrist and chipped a tooth. The embarrassment of taking a tumble in the middle of the day outweighed the pain, though, to be honest. But I thought to myself in the weeks after how an older person or anyone who's a bit more frail than a fairly healthy 40-year-old like me would have been impacted by such a fall. I don't know if the steps can be reworked or replaced or what, but I just want to give a gentle word of warning to your listeners. Thank you for taking the time to share it. All the best from Susan. 0818969696. Yeah, and particularly on a cold, frosty morning, like say yesterday, it wasn't too bad this morning, although there's a lot of black ice about. But certainly a place like Patrick's Hill gets very slippery and very dangerous on winter mornings. That's Susan in response to Jamie. Anybody else have a tumble on Patrick's Hill? Anybody want to tell me about it? It's got to happen an awful lot more than we think. I, 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 the, by the time I get out to my car of a day, it's very busy up and down Patrick's Hill because they're going up to Bruce and down from Bruce and they're going up to work and down from work and, it's a, and all the youngsters are sitting around on the pavement having their bit of lunch and chatting and whatever. But there's a lot of up and down. And of all the people going up and down that hill in one day, you've got to have some falls and twisted ankles and, like, Susan's there, broke her wrist and chipped her teeth. Uh, is Patrick's Hill dangerous? Do you remember the morning that we were talking here about the the slabs on Patrick Street? How dangerous, lethal they get in the rain. It seems to be something similar to do with, with Patrick's Hill. 0818 96 96 96. If you have a story to tell me, 
Now, yesterday we were chatting with the Lord Mayor Deirdre Ford about knife crime and the Lord Mayor wants a knife amnesty set up where you can bring in, if you have a knife, if you're carrying a knife, if you own a knife, if you've caught someone with a knife, you can bring the knife in and just dump it. And they've done them in the UK and they've done them all over the world with varying levels of success. You get what people want to give you. You can't guarantee that you'll get anything other than what people want to give you. But they're there and she wants to start it here in Cork and we can discuss that, I guess, going along. But also she wanted to talk about mandatory sentencing. And her idea was if you have, if you're caught with a knife at one o'clock in the morning, she put it very well, you're not carrying that knife to peel spuds. So if you're caught with a knife without good reason for having that knife, five years mandatory jail. If you use that knife, and particularly if you use something like a shiv or a shank, a homemade device, savage yoke, then you get 10 years if you use it. If you pull it on a knife, on a bus conductor or bus driver or whatever, 10 years in the slammer, slam dunk. That started a whole discussion in itself. Then James from the Boys and Girls of Naka Facebook page sent us audio of this ad. Now, I have watched this ad on Facebook. It's a lot longer than this particular piece of audio. It is frightening. You're looking at a knife which is, it's got to be nearly a foot long if you include the handle of it. And it's got a twisted kind of corkscrew-like blade. It's a savage looking thing. And here's the ad that that James sent us on. Today I have here with me an M48 Cyclone, the most lethal knife in the world. And I'll show you exactly why. Just look. Let's open it. You are already seeing its format. Let's take this plastic out. I've seen that there's the thing to break the car windows here. And this one here is a powerful one. This one's not here to play. Here we have its sheet. And look at its twisted blade. Why is this blade so lethal? Yeah, its twisted blade is lethal because it's like a corkscrew. So when you shove it, you don't need me to tell you. He did a demonstration with a cardboard box. He put a regular knife, stabbed a cardboard box with it, and it left a hole. And then... You pull the knife out, this particular knife, you pull it out and it leaves a jagged, ragged tear which can't be stitched. And he actually says that in the video, the longer version of the video. It can't actually be stitched. James, you were watching that. You, it came up on your Facebook and you were shocked. Uh, morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to be fair, no, I was shocked when I saw it. I, I sent it to you straight away. I mean, that, that, that knife is has only one purpose, and that is to maim someone or kill someone. No other purpose. So, yeah, I was absolutely... And to see it on Facebook, like you said, uh, teenagers are on, on Facebook, young kids, and uh, your man glorifying it, and he was actually demonstrating. You saw the video, how it penetrates, and he was gloating, like, it, it makes a wound that you can't stitch. You know, oh, I mean, he that, was, that's he was all I mean, over it, like, all over the, the benefit of it, like, this, this horrible yeah, yoke. Yeah. Absolutely, and um, like surely there's an onus on on Facebook and and whatever like Instagram, wherever these ads are, that um, they should be banned. They shouldn't be. Allowed. I, to be fair, no, I actually um, I, I I reported it, you know, as a, I complained on Facebook. It was horrifying to look at it, really. Yeah. Any response back to the complaint? No, no. It's just that you couldn't report the ad. That's it. Nothing will come back about it, you know. 
Yeah, I mean that's Facebook. Feed. Yeah, that is Facebook. If you put up a picture of a woman breastfeeding, it violates community standards. But oh, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you put up a picture for twenty four hours, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but this thing that could cut you from neck to belly, oh, it's a fr- yeah, frightening, yeah. frightening thing. With only one purpose is <clears throat> not to cut, not to fill it. You, there's nothing you can do with it. It's just literally to penetrate you and cause as much damage on the way out. Yeah. That like that's 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 the only. Uh, to be fair, no, I was actually disturbed when I saw it. As, as the Lord Mayor said, anyone carrying a knife in the streets by night anyway, James, is not doing it to peel spuds. If you were carrying this thing, you surely have damage of forethought. Oh, absolutely. But you know what, Lupita, I'll be honest, I was thinking about that, right? A lot of the young kids, right, I mean, they're easily led. And maybe they are carrying it for protection. Maybe it's just they think it's better to have it and not need it. No, I'm not saying that's right. It's absolutely wrong. Yeah. But maybe that's... That's something that needs to be changed, you know. Yeah. Like, like our, our policemen don't carry guns for the kind of the same reason, so they don't use them, so they don't get used on them, you know. Yeah. That kind of mentality, you know. Yeah. Maybe something like that needs to be taught in schools. I mean, you're carrying a weapon that can easily be turned anew. That's right. Know? That's right. And and making the things at home like shanks, like making stuff That's out right. of a toothbrush, it's it, it is scary. We are living in frightening times. You never know really what, pe- what people are carrying. There's another mm-hmm. side to this story, James. You were listening to me talking to the Lord Mayor and we were talking about knives in general and your phone, you reckon, was listening to you. Yeah, that, that, that was mad. Like I said, I, I, I was listening to the radio and I pulled in. I was a few minutes early for an appointment and I picked up my phone and I logged into Facebook and that was the first ad I saw it and I went, oh my God. So I think you said it before, like social media are listening to us, you know. Wow. So that literally came up on my phone and I sent it into Forgal then I'm sure Forgal gave it to yourself and you saw it. So which was mental. Yeah. So that, that that that's the real kicker though. You were listening to our discussion on the opinion line and mm-hmm. you logged into your Facebook and this thing, this grow gruesome yoke pops up in front of you. Cry. Yeah. And I, I, I might just add something, PJ. It's the first time I've ever seen a nice um ad on Facebook. Ever. Really? Apart for, no, I've seen fishing stuff because I follow a few fishing pages, but never this thing. You saw it. It's just, just like I said, repeat myself. There's only one purpose, and that's the it's to kill. To, you know? uh, to do serious harm. Let me, serious know, harm let me know if you get a response back to your complaint, although I doubt that you will. I will, but I wouldn't be holding my breath. Look, like I said, you know, you, you, there's, you know yourself, there's an option to report an ad or uh, something, and I just reported it. But you're not going to come over. I know me. I won't even I won't hear back from it right. I know myself. James, always good to catch so, up. Thanks, mate. And yourself, PJ, boy. Thanks very much, boy. Mind yourself. Bye-bye. Cheers, fella. Yeah, that's James and the boys and girls of Naka Facebook page. We didn't share that video because it's hideous. It's an awful looking thing. You'll find it yourself if you want to go looking for it. But it's an awful looking thing. Frightened looking thing. That he has uh, come up on Facebook. There's another thing. He was just listening to the radio. We were talking about knives and knife crime and carrying knives. And his phone was in his pocket or up on the dashboard of the car or wherever he had it. And it was listening. It was listening. Your phone is listening to you. Not to mind your one in the corner. The one whose name starts with A. She's listening to everything. And the other one, the one whose name starts with G. It's listening. They're, they're listening to everything. We did. I remember doing a story on the program here a few years ago about a telly. Was it a Samsung telly or some one of those smart tellies that people were convinced was listening to their conversations? 
Thank you, James. Okay, Michael on knife crime. Morning. PJ, good morning. You, what, what do you want to say, sir? You were listening to us yesterday. Indeed, indeed I was. And not only that, but uh, mandatory sentencing is something that I have had uh, strong views on over a long period of time and, in fact, have spoken with you on your show several yeah. years ago on yeah. this. Yeah. I am a strong believer in mandatory sentencing. I think we have reached a stage where it is an absolute requirement for the protection of law-abiding citizens. Mm-hmm. And knives, of course, have become very prevalent of late, but it's not, it should not be just confined to knives. And I, I find it very positive that uh, a politician and the Lord Mayor should now come out <clears throat> and support mandatory sentencing for certain crimes, even if it's only confined in, uh, to knives so far. But I think, PJ, the violence in the country in general and the violence in our streets has reached a stage where the politicians and the lawmakers really need to take a long, serious look at how the perpetrators of crime are dealt with. Now, that is a, a long matter, and we don't need to go into all of that, But because it would include uh, policing, and if we just go back to the basic policing without going to too many uh, complications here, you know, in the old days, you would find police officers, Gardaí, on the street, Yes. Walking yeah. on the street, yeah. so-called man on the beat. Now it's the guard on the beat because we have ladies involved also and good, welcome. But, you know, in, in countries where they have police officers on the streets, patrolling the streets, not only in ones, but twos, threes and fours, mm. the crime rate is down. Yeah. We have, we in this country have changed the policing procedures for good or worse, who knows. But the fact now is we do not find members of Angarda Shia patrolling the streets. And as a result, these people who are up to mischief or, or whatever they're, they're, they're doing, they feel more comfortable and they know they have time to get away yeah. by the time the Gardaí are called. So it begins there. We need to have more Gardaí on the streets yeah. to, to ensure that the people going about their lawful business are protected, yeah. that people with their businesses know that you know, there, there is some protection for them. People moving around on the streets need to feel comfortable. Personally, PJ, I will not go to the city centre and haven't gone there for many, many years yeah. because of what I've, I've seen and experienced in the city centre. So that brings us then on to the question of mandatory sentencing. You know, we, we see the, the, the repeat offenders appearing in court yeah. Appear in court. They're there 10, 15, 20, 140 times recently somebody was in court. Well, yeah, Michael, as you know, in the previous life before this programme, I, I spent 12 years as the court reporter for 96FM and, and indeed did some national stuff. And I've seen it all in court. And like that, I've seen 120 previous convictions and I've seen yeah. all that. And what I've also seen is the hand-wringing from the barristers well, and the social go. workers and the probation workers ev- try, trying to get this little gutter snipe with 95 previous convictions trying to convince us ah, he's a nice guy who suffered from a bad childhood give me a break well I fully agree with you that's why we need mandatory sentencing and if there is mandatory sentencing then that will avoid a lot of time wasting it will avoid first of all we have the free legal aid of course and that leads to um, the appeals and the various appeals that take it down but the whole thing, like the whole, I would suggest with all due respect to everyone involved, I think our whole court system has, has kind of lost its perspective.
because I would suggest that that is there to protect the law-abiding citizen. And I think the whole system has veered away from protecting the law-abiding citizen now to protecting the perpetrators of crime. Mm -hmm. So if we had mandatory sentencing, that would then clear the air completely and it would avoid, as you said, the hand-wringing and all the excuses that are put forward. And it would let the victims of crime feel more comfortable that the law is there to protect them. And this is what we need to reestablish, mm. confidence in the system to show that it is there to protect the law-abiding citizen. And if we start, if we go back to, you know, to more serious crime of murder, for instance, right, people can argue one way or the other. But in, in, at one time, you committed murder, you were sentenced to death. Mm. Now, you were either hanged or you were commuted to life imprisonment. Mm -hmm. Life imprisonment then was 40 years. That's right. That's right. That, that, like, that still exists, like I think, for today. one or two classes of murder that still yeah. exists. Yeah, but, but even now, if you murder a, gar a member of a Gaudiciacan or a judge, I don't think they'll hang you. But anyway, that's beside the point. No, they won't. Mm. But, but what, what is the sentence for... The, okay, life imprisonment now. What does life come to now? 10 or 12 years, they apply for parole. Yes. We had this case here of this young girl who was murdered not far from my home here, and and apparently the perpetrator has been out on day release. Yes, on several we know that. So, we've so heard, that yeah. we, we don't want to go into specific incidents, but it, it raises the question, what is the penalty? How is the penalty system imposed? And it seems, not only to me, but to many people I, I discussed this with, we are becoming far too soft with perpetrators of crime. Yeah. And yeah. we are ignoring the fact that the law-abiding citizens are being punished by these criminals, by yeah. the criminal acts. Yeah, and we, we were talking yesterday, and you and I both live on the 220 bus route, Michael, uh, the fear of, of bus drivers on that route, that one of them will have a knife put into them but who, very, who would, very soon. Who, who would want to be, uh, and particularly, and we now have several female bus drivers, and, and good luck to them also, but I mean, can you imagine a, a lady driving a bus with five or six of these people uh, becoming arrogant and aggressive with her. I mean, yeah, okay, a man it's, it's, it's already it's already happened. We've had with the case in Crosshaven with Gary Lean, I think his name was, and we had that, that lady on, yeah, uh, yeah the girl Andrea. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Come here, so, before I let you go, Michael, you wanted to your your wife is she all right? She took a nasty fall, I think. Well, I mentioned that you were talking about falls there, and my wife was in the bed. She was feeling very sorry for herself. Well, we we came out of a, an afternoon tea dance yesterday in Watergrass Hill, and we were making it was dark at the time, so around six thirty or close enough to that. And we were making our way to the car and she was beside me, but I went to the back of the car to open the boat and she went to step off the footpath, lost her footing. Mother of God, she fell straight forward and smashed the, really just over her eye there. She has a fairly bad bruise now when her ribs are fairly here. So, but of course it was very dark there at the time. So, you know, and she missed the footing getting down off the footpath and, uh, you know, it, 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 well, it does raise the question, you know, we, we all need to be far more careful when, when we're out and all that. And, and, and better street lighting and all yeah. of that, yeah. But yeah. if I could just make one more point about violence. And I, we got about a minute, Michael. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned this to, 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 to Fergal. Before the last election, I, I normally present myself to, to all the candidates uh, who, who are in the area. But I went up to Simon Coveney. Now, he knew me from old and he knew I worked with the United Nations and all that. But he was, and, and our present Lord Mayor was standing beside him now, and I don't know whether she remembered it or not. I possibly will. But I said to him, I'm here now primarily, I said, to express my concern for your personal safety and that of your family. And he looked at me, and I said, there is an element in this country are becoming more and more unhappy with their, li with their life, with how they're forced to live, with their lack of income. And I said, there is a tendency towards violence. Mm -hmm. And I said, the day may be coming when government ministers and their families could be targeted 
And I went on to say that I had seen what happened in many countries where I worked and I wouldn't want to see it here. And it's interesting, and if you go back and check, you'll find that a week or two, even though he said to me, no, 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 I don't accept that. A week or two later, Simon Coveney asked for a personal protection officer. Yeah, and they all got them now. They've all got them now because, let's face it, Michael, there are a number of our cabinet ministers have been targeted. Their homes have been targeted. Thank you for that. 0818969696. We haven't quite got to the stage yet where ministers are in danger, politicians are in danger, but... We know that just across the water in the UK, two of them were murdered. Two MPs were murdered in the last number of years. So, yeah, we do have to think about it. Michael, thank you. I hope your wife will be okay soon. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Mandatory sentencing. Michael was saying we need to have more mandatory sentences across the road and more law and judgment and sentencing that takes into account the effect on the victim, not the perpetrator. That's a, a good point that Michael was making. Also looking for some of your mad connect collections. Mad <laughs> We have a, yeah, a collection of BMX bikes has been reported to us. Uh, Christmas tree baubles and Christmas tree stuff seems to be quite popular. Uh, my missus, uh, I just did a quick head count uh, last night. Uh, we reckon that, you know the, the Nutcracker dolls that you'll get in all the Christmas shops and you get them, you get them anything from, anything from four inches long to hang on the Christmas tree to you're going in the door of a supermarket in the, in the Christmas time and there's a six-footer in the doorway. We reckon there's about 40 of them in Coogan Towers. Uh, the ones from about a foot high to 18 inches high. We've one giant nutcracker. He's a metre higher. Yeah, just under four foot high. And he lights up and he, sta- he stands in the hallway. Um, she would love a six-footer to stand in the porch for Christmas. But the cost of the boogers, they're, they're, they're nearly a grand for the biggins. And we picked up the, the meter high guy at a steal because he was a window display and he got slightly damaged. But yeah, we've got 40 large nutcrackers in the house. We are Premier League Live back on Corks96FM.ie this weekend with Trevor Welsh. Uh, Saturday from midday, powered by Talk Sport. Live coverage this Saturday of Liverpool versus Chelsea. That's at half twelve. West Ham against Everton at three. Crystal Palace v Newcastle at half past five. Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You go to the Corks 96 FM app if you haven't got it. Why haven't you got it? If you haven't got it, download it, open it up, and you'll find the Premier League live link of the Premier League Live button there or you can go to 96fm.ie www.96fm.ie the team back on Saturday afternoon 0818 96 96 96 there's a tractor has lost its load on the back road to the airport road currently closed up there hope nobody hurt speaking of people being hurt you'll have heard Gerald D on the news 
Ger from the Ambulance Service, his community engagement officer. I sincerely hope, Ger, that predictions of freezing rain don't come true. I've only ever seen it twice in my life and I don't want to see it again. But you've already had a lot of calls this morning from people, stumbles and falls and tumbles and crashes. Morning. Yeah, good morning, PJ. Um, yes, we are experiencing um, a high call volume at the moment in the Cork area alone. Uh, for people slipping on ice. Um, so I suppose, look, I, I just want people to, to kind of consider their journeys, be very vigilant that there is some black ice out there on footpaths and roads. Um, and the calls are ranging from people on bicycles, uh, e-scooters and walking. Um, and look, people can sustain nasty injuries from a simple fall on ice. Um, it's, it's often a very helpless fall and can end up in, you know, um, head injuries and broken limbs. So it's just, you know, while we're experiencing this cold snap, it's just for people to really, um, you know, think about their journey. Is it actually absolutely necessary that they they go out in the cold at the moment? And just maybe to give it a little time to thaw um, before they do go out. I remember a, a very senior emergency physician who... who name I won't mention, calling me during a cold snap one time and he said, would you ever tell them flipping Egypts to put their jog off until it thaws out a small bit because if I find one more coming in with a broken ankle from falling while out jogging, like it's simple steps to protect yourself, isn't it Ger? It is PJ look, prevention is better than cure and I mean you could put off, as you mentioned running you can put off your run for a day or two it's a lot better than, you know, the six weeks or more that it takes to recover from a serious injury sustained from a fall. So, look, it's just that the ambulance service is extremely busy at the moment. And now we have an influx of these calls coming in as well. So it's just, I suppose, as well as pointing out that we're busy and that people, you know, should take extra care. It's just to also say that, you know, people who do have minor injuries may have to wait that little bit longer. And we do ask that they just be patient with us. Um, we'll always ensure that the sickest person will always be responded to and seen the quickest. So it just, again, does mean that people may have to wait an extended period of time um, for somebody to get to them. OK, but just be wary of the fact that there is dangerous road conditions out there and dangerous footpath conditions out there. Thank you, Jared. That's Gerard D. He's Cork-based National Ambulance Service Community Engagement Officer. 0818 96 96 96. I don't ever... I saw it once. I got caught in it once and I don't ever want to see it again. And I love the cold weather, as you know, and I love a bit of snow and I love a bit of frost. But Lord protect us from freezing rain. It's one of the most frightening things you've ever seen. If you've never seen it, you don't want to. But it's where the rain falls and you think, oh, grand, it's raining. We're we're safe. But the rain falls and the temperatures are in such a... It's just a set of circumstances that come together. And when the rain falls, the second it hits the road, it turns to ice and it's black ice. So literally you have rain falling on the ground, hitting the ground and turning instantly to to ice. It's lethal stuff. I've only ever seen it once and I don't ever want to see it again. Thank you, Ger. 0818 96 96 96. Now, there was a case involving over 200 dogs in North Cork. It's an animal welfare case and it's, it's been rather controversial because the dogs are still where they were found. Still up to the last couple of days where they were found. I've been talk- I'll be talking to Michelle about it. Michelle's very concerned. She bought a dog from this place and she's 
very concerned about the, the state of the dogs that were found there. I'll come to that in a sec. Um, John was on, and I've noticed this with funerals. And it came in during COVID, when we couldn't have any funerals at all, or you had six people at one point, ten people at one point, and there were no funerals worth talking about. And the removal was completely gone. Uh, but it has nothing... Now, it started during COVID, but, but John has been in touch with us this morning to say, I didn't know this until a friend told me. The bishop has decided there would be no more removals with the body being left in the church overnight. The coffin. When I heard it yesterday, I said, this must surely be some COVID-19 thing that has yet to be repealed, but it's not. It's a new policy. John rang the Dawson office and they confirmed this is the case. I was told there was a committee set up and they decided it. Uh, no one man should endorse a decision of a committee on a tradition like this. There should be widespread consultation. Yeah, it came in during the rules to do with public gatherings, but it's got nothing to do with COVID. So are we to take from that, John, that there will be no more removals to the church and the coffin overnight in the church and the funeral the following day. And I was just thinking back on the funerals that I've been at of late in the last year or so. Um, There was a former colleague from here, her, her dad died, and I went to that visitation. And that's what they call it now, visitation in the funeral home. Uh, my uncle passed away. There was visitation in that funeral home. There was no actual removal. Our beloved Paddy Palmer, who died there uh, in early January, there was visitation at the funeral home. There was no actual removal. And I was just saying, well, that's it is what it is kind of thing. But it seems that that's been a decision now made by... Bishop Gavin, Finton Gavin, that there won't be any more removals to the church and staying overnight in the church, which is, it's as Irish a tradition as bacon and cabbage. So I'm surprised to hear that, John, if that's official from the diocesan office, that there would be no more removals to the church and no more than of the coffin staying in the church overnight and mass the following day. That's interesting. That's interesting. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, just clarifying that with regard to the funerals. So it's now a visitation in the funeral home or indeed sometimes in the person's own home for an hour or for two hours or for three hours or however long it's arranged for and then you leave the funeral home and the following morning or the following day the coffin is brought in the hearse to the church what has changed it would seem is that you know the way it used to happen the removal was in the evening five o'clock and you could go to the funeral home queue up and visitation and all that and then if you couldn't make that stage of the removal and there's many a time myself that I couldn't make that particular stage, you could go to the church and you'd know that the coffin would be coming in the hearse to the church and it would be received at the church by the priest 
and there'd be another another 10 or 15 or 20 minutes in the church and you had an opportunity there then to meet people and and pay your respects and, and offer your sympathies and all of that. That, it seems, that element of the removal won't be happening anymore. There'd be no overnighting in the church. It seems to be a policy decision by the Diocese uh, of Cork and Ross. I'd, I'd like to know a bit, little bit more about why why they've made that decision. 0818 96 96 96. There still will be visitations in the funeral home. That's not gone. That isn't gone. That's still there. Uh, but it's been changed now. There'll be no overnighting, as it were, in, in the church. I know some people are very uncomfortable about their relatives overnighting in the church, particularly children. I, I, I think people used to struggle with children being overnight in, in, in the church or indeed in a funeral home, but that's, uh, that's just a by-the-by. Right, a dog breeder in North Cork has been shut down by the county council proposing, and I quote here from Cork Bio, a serious and immediate threat to animal welfare. The closure notice was issued when inspectors found a number of issues, including the overcrowding of animals and unhygienic conditions. Over 200 dogs, over 70 puppies, undersized kennels, crowded conditions, sub-zero temperatures. There was an inspection pre-Christmas when it was very, very cold. 14 dogs didn't have water available. Water bowls were contaminated. A long, long list of, of things. The breeder, the order was issued under the Dog Breeding Act on January 3rd to cease breeding dogs immediately. And then the breeder has been ordered to arrange for the rehoming of the dogs. There were previous improvement notices of, uh, issued in October and an animal health welfare notice in October. So, and this particular breeder is now appealing the situation. So that's an ongoing story. But Michelle, you bought a, a little dog from this place uh, a, a couple of years ago and you were very, very, very shocked to find all this out. Morning. Yes, a few years ago we brought bought a beautiful Cavapoo, Cavalier Poodle from this, this place and... Um, I know a few other people locally in the village who bought um, pets from her and there's huge concern mm-hmm. about the, you know, the dogs down there and the fact that they're they're remaining there. Is your little dog okay? Is your little dog healthy? He is. When we, when we got him first, he was quite sick uh, for the first couple of weeks. He had um, mites, he had worms, he had bloody stools and it turned out he had digestive problems. Um, but he's he is fine now. He still has some digestive issues, but he is um, he's a lovely dog. He's a lovely looking dog, lovely personality. And uh, particularly during lockdown, when I was out walking him, I would have been stopped by a lot of people admiring him and asking where I got him. Mm. And I gave the number, which I feel so bad about because we had no idea what was going on that down there in the background. Mm. It seemed just like a farm, an old farmhouse. And the dogs were were shown to my children in a laundry basket inside. And um, I suppose I just feel bad that I've given that number to so many people. The other people I know who have dogs mm. from Donnerail have given the number to lots of people. And we're all very, very concerned that those dogs are still there and they've been left there to be rehomed. Yeah, according to the coverage of the story, the individual themselves has been instructed to rehome the dogs. I, I believe that they're launching an appeal against the findings and that they dispute 
the reportage of what of what was found. Roy, when you went up there, did, did you see anything unusual? Nothing like that. Um, I, my husband and the children went to to look at the dogs in the first place, and they were brought into the house. I was never inside the house. Um, when we went to collect him, he was in in a kind of a I think it was like a shed or a port cabin near the front of the house. And he was with one other little dog who was waiting to be collected. And we asked to see the mother and the father because we had been advised to to do this. And we were shown a mother and father who were in a kind of a little run behind behind the shed. We paid 300 euros for our dog. And my husband rang um, during lockdown and he was quoted 1,800 euros for the same dog. And people were paying those prices. Yeah, the price of doggies went through the roof during, during lockdown. Yeah. And I think, you know, Michelle, we've all bought dogs or we've all acquired dogs from places over the years. And looking back, we possibly wouldn't have now that we know a bit more. Mm. But you say you feel guilty about telling people, but sure you weren't to know. No, I wasn't. I mean, no. But I suppose the the biggest concern is I'm looking at my my dog here, and he's lovely and warm. And do you know, what? we we all read that inspector's report. These inspectors don't go out lightly and make these you know make these reports no. and and these findings. And I'm aware there is an appeal, but their findings, I mean, said that those dogs were in sub zero temperatures with no bedding. Some had no access to water. There was contaminated water. It's just horrifying to think that they were in that situation in the first place, but that they've been left in it. Yeah. They've been left down there. Whether there's been improvements or not. Yeah. I I I mean I don't know the law on this, but surely they should have been seized and, and taken out of there, even in the short term. They were ordered to cease immediately. That order issued on the third of January and been ordered to arrange for the rehoming of the dogs. That is the bit that people are finding strange that the person yes. against whom these findings were made and look they're entitled to appeal them if they want to appeal them they're entitled to appeal. totally but yes. they were given they were told rehome the dogs yes there's animal welfare groups and animal lovers going mad they're up in arms on social media over this they're contacting tds and local media and everything to find out why this is happening. We don't know. Um, we've been told by the council that there's a case pending, so they can't comment, hmm. which is fair enough. But in Limerick yesterday, there were 19 dogs removed from unsuitable conditions and they were just taken on the day. I don't know what the situation or what the, you know, the background to that case was. But um, we're just wondering, I suppose, is there is there some reason why these dogs have been left there? Mm. I've spoken over the years with animal welfare activists. I've spoken to vets about puppy farms. They are a scourge. They're still out there, Michelle. Yes, yes, definitely. There's a new group being set up, a new advocacy group in Cork, um, just, you know, for for this very reason to kind of fight against this, because he's saying Ireland is the, the puppy capital of, of Europe. It just doesn't doesn't make any sense why they've been left there. Well, I have two little dogs and I talk about them an awful lot on the radio because they're part of the family and I, I love the bones of them both. You have your little fella. You, you, I've no doubt yeah. you, you feel the same. Those of us who genuinely are dog lovers, we struggle to understand, don't we, how you could leave animals in conditions like that? Well, it's, it's, it's impossible. I, I just can't comprehend how you could. Even, even one dog like that, never mind 220. I mean, the... The mothers and the, the mothers in particular, the fathers, the older dogs that have been there for a long time. I mean, the puppies, the puppies will get homes and everybody loved the puppies. But it's those older dogs. Some of them haven't been socialised 
what kind of health problems do they have, you know. Who's going to take them? Are, are, are they even suitable for being rehomed? Michelle, thank you. Thank you, PJ. Yeah. The puppy farms are, are a scourge. Uh, and during lockdown, they, they made a fortune. Absolute fortune, so they did. And you know, like I said to, to Michelle there a second ago, like we've all, I guess, I know we have, <clears throat> our little our little Bella. Uh, she's nearly 10 now. We are trying to work out her age the other day. She's nearly 10. And for the Cavalier King Charles, she's in remarkably good health. And she's a little bundle of divilment and fun. And she's as thick as the table. But we love her to bits. And we bought her um, from a fella in Kerry. And looking back now, we probably should not have bought her in the way we did. I handed him cash. There were two little dogs. There was herself and what he said was her little brother. Um, beautiful little dog. We only had the cash with us for one. And I think back now, if I had the cash or if there was an ATM nearby, I'd have bought the second dog because they're just adorable little things. But looking back at it now, we sh- that was not the way to buy a dog. I would never get a dog that way now. But that's 10 years ago. Well, what did we know then? But that's a very disturbing case and it's under appeal so we're we're not reporting as much detail as other outlets might have but it's under appeal but while they're appealing the dogs are still there and that's what's upsetting Michelle 0818 just on removals few things coming in we're in Cloyne Diocese and last year when my mom passed she was in the church overnight it must be a city thing says Kevin this is uh, from John, who just noticed that there's no more overnighting in the church. And John says he contacted the diocesan office to be told that this is a decision. It's now policy in the Diocese of Cork and Ross. PJ, I sing, I sing regularly at funerals. Usually the deceased is carried into the church just before the ceremony begins. So not left overnight in the church. They're carried in by the family just before the ceremony. Thanks says Sarah. Yeah, I know that's the normal that's the modern practice, Sarah, that's the new practice, Uh, but the older practice was leaving them in the church overnight, that seems to be gone PJ says, Dennis, did you know there's a charge uh, by uh, approximately a thousand euro to leave your loved one in the coffin overnight in the church where is the goodwill from the church in this scandalous charge prices vary Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. With different churches and different funeral directors. Well, the price of funerals is eye-watering stuff. Absolutely eye-watering stuff. Um, You you would hope against hope that most people have a little bit set aside or a little bit of insurance or something to cover the cost of a funeral because if you landed with the cost of a funeral, it's very expensive. Tom says, the bishop may have good reasons for this, but I agree there should definitely be wider consultation. This is the season, or this is the reason, rather, says Tom, that people are leaving the church. A lack of consultation, and it seems to be a matter that could easily have been put out for public input. It seems to be nothing to do with COVID. It started during COVID when funerals were totally wiped out. We had six people at one point could go in, ten at another point. We all watched funerals of loved ones and friends and former associates as it were on the telly online which that was a great innovation but it seems that this new practice now came in sort of at the back of COVID nothing to do with COVID but in the Diocese of Cork and Ross now there's no more overnighting in the church nobody seems to know why John says that's not true I just got onto a funeral home and they confirmed there isn't and never was a charge for keeping the body in the church. Okay, okay. That's a separate argument within the argument, but but happy to have them. Uh, We're in... Yeah. I've... On puppy farms, Fiona, I've lost count of the number of mails and calls, emails and calls I've made to government to update the law and bring in new legislation not good enough that innocent animals suffer. 0818 96 96 96. I think we have a couple of people who want to get involved in the conversation on puppy farms. We'll do that next. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. Breed on Puppy Farms. Morning. Good morning. How are you doing, PJ? Hi, How's what it going? Want, what do you want to say? Um, yeah, look, I mean, I feel strongly about this as well. Um, I suppose this time last year, it was before Christmas, actually, um, we we had we had said to our children, we get a dog now, it wasn't for Christmas. Um, my husband had actually been through treatment and we said when he finished, we'd get a family dog and they're, that, they're at that age. They were, at the time, six eight and nine so you know they're able for the responsibility so I was kind of thinking to go to animal rescue centres so it would have been maybe the end of November and I approached a good few and in fairness their practice was that they would sort of vet obviously the potential owners which was up for but I think 
before Christmas, they they were reluctant to um, rehome dogs. I, I, if I'm correct now, maybe. And, mm. you know, I totally understand that. But you know something? I was up in Dublin doing some shopping in Ikea and I decided, I said, sure, look at, you know, I'll just have a look at other options. So I went on dogs.ie um, and I'm not trying to slander any any particular website or that, but you, you just realise the scale of how many people are breeding dogs. And, and if it's legit, that's fine. But literally on the way down from Dublin to Cork, I visited maybe eight different potential dog breeders. And, yes. and what I saw, it, it really made my stomach turn. And, you know, especially when it's unexpected because, look, I had been delayed and I was to, to look at, to go to one particular household and the person that was going to meet me wasn't there. So it was the uncle or whatever. And, you know, I, I could see that the dogs would be brought in from the shed maybe into the house. But I was brought out to this cold shed and you could see the mother, the bitch, like was, she was just wrecked looking, you know. Yeah. There was excrement all over the floor. Yeah. And they were desperate. You could see them jumping at, like literally desperate to get out. And that wasn't the only place, you know. And I mean, beautiful houses, lovely the the actual setup looked fine. They were, you know, they're in they're in kind of like stables. But you just realise it's just a factory, really. Yeah. I think it's just breed more and more. And like the the mother, I don't know how many litters they have in a year. And I mean, these dogs. Look, I I totally get people in households. They they're overwhelmed and they they don't want too much dog hair and I, I suppose there's a big market for the, the mixed breeds that don't shed hair Yeah. and look I understand that there was probably only one place where it was a family and they had they had the, the male and the female and you could see that the puppies were really brought up like part of the family you know what I, I mean they were indeed, yeah. Yeah. but yeah like I mean I suppose just people know this but it's amazing how you know your moral compass will tell you look Ideally, we'll go to an animal rescue, but then you think, "Oh, look at that beautiful little puppy I there! Know. They're gorgeous." And I think just for everybody to to go places like I actually didn't visit the Cork centres, and I'm sure they're wonderful. But like Limerick Animal Welfare, I happen to go to, and you just see they they have so many litters of puppies there, and you know they really are diver- that that particular one and many more are very good yeah. um, animal welfare places and. I mean, you know, there's so many dogs being put down and probably other animals as well. Just before before you look to the gorgeous whatever mixed breed who, who doesn't shed, just look at look at what's available in the yeah. rescue well, centres. I mean, there's, and, there's, and, there's a lot of purebreds as well, and I know they're oh, expensive, yeah. that, but that don't yeah. shed. I mean, I'm thinking of, and I know oh, yeah. because we've had... Over the years, we've had one, two, three... We've had about six of them, Cavalier King Charles. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. I'm sorry, like, because I, I understand, the, like, of the, course, if the you go on to the most dog and... adorable little yeah. dogs. They're tick stupid. I mean, completely yeah. stupid. But I used the, to see them actually, so the, I know. Yeah. They're the most perfect little dog for a child. Yeah. They're the most As perfect they little family dog. Tick stupid. But, like, yeah, they're, they're, and they are bred in puppy farms um, mm. at an awful rate. They are. It's very they hard are. to get a King Charles from an shall we say a reputable place yeah you're right you're right and some of the crossbreeds yeah they're, they're coming from no very... I mean you do understand look I mean some some people have had children have asthma and of course like if you if you if you want to get a particular breed of dog I, I do know you know 
with a thoroughbred, you know maybe what you get a bit more about the temperament. And, and but this, like I have to say, I'm not an expert, but I would just encourage people first as the first port of call, go to the animal welfare places. Yeah. You know because. This, I mean, even from the point of view of environmental impact, just breeding and breeding and consuming more and more puppies and animals when there are so many animals being put down. And we all know this. And, and we do. And I think every person kind of knows ideally this is the right thing to do. But then when you look at your own four foot squared and you say, oh, look, I'd love the little, yeah. you know, you, you kind of want the... the the perfect setup, you but do. like there's beautiful dogs. There really are. Like we now, we have a, a, a crazy dog that we're working on training him. But you know, what we're you we're, we're sticking with it. Um, he's a lurcher. Oh, they're a great but, little dog. Well, little, they're, they're big <laughs> dogs. I know. My my daughter is weak for a lurcher. Um, yeah, yeah. They love she loves lurchers. They're, they're big yeah. big idiots, and they're they're often confused with with greyhounds. You see. Yes, uh, and I suppose. Um, our fellow chief is his name. I, I think there may be maybe some beagle in him and also um, maybe a bit of Saluki. Um, he, right. he he was born in Limerick Animal Welfare and I think his mother was brought in from a halting site so the puppies were born there. Now, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of navigating. He, he's a, you know, he's a big dog and, you know, you kind of realise when you get a dog, like, we take these animals into our house and they don't have a choice. And we expect them to conform to human behaviour. Like, That's true. That's it's so true. important to, like I would say from my dog's point of view, I'm trying to figure out maybe, like he, he does have that prey drive, okay? I can see that with him. So I'm trying to kind of make sure to, to let that out in a controlled environment. You know what I mean? I and um, And I think that you just have to kind of spend the time, like with a baby, trying to understand them. And That's exactly it. That's exactly it, Bridge. You need to form a relationship with, with this wonderful creature you brought into your house. Thank you. I, I got, Just for no other reason, I, I need to go to Dan. Thanks, Breed, and good luck with your with your lovely dog. You have a lurcher as well, Dan, have you? I do, I do, PJ. How are you doing? Good morning. Good. Um, and I suppose everything that your previous caller said there, I echo as well. Um, I have a beautiful lurcher. She is staring at me here because she's uh, obviously looking for more food, but they're a great dog, and, and the shelters are heaving with lurchers. And yes greyhounds at the moment and I highly recommend them and I know a lot of people have children that have lurchers of greyhounds and there isn't an issue but the original point I wanted to make was the last call or not a direct attack on her but it's the people who are purchasing these dogs are part of the problem as well they're creating the market for them yeah the, the I think you're, you're referring maybe to, to Michelle who oh yeah but said, not Michelle I mean look she, she's embarrassed so she made a valid point but but, but like you know, if we're going to buy these, we're creating the market. We are. For them. It's, no, it's no, like we saying, are. You're, you're it's right. Like pr- prostitution is bad, but sure, fellas are still buying it. Like as, as but, I said, Dan, I, I did ten years ago. I mean, I went down to Kerry and exchanged cash for a little dog, and I would love to have bought the other one if I had the cash. Oh yeah, yeah. Looking back on it now, I yeah, wouldn't do it. Yeah, we need to learn. Yeah, we need to learn. But yeah. but my point is, like, even if you want a specific type type of dog, because maybe your grandmother had one or you had one growing up. Check the rescues. Check the the, the shelters. Check CSPCA, DCCA, nationally because Burmese Mountain Dog. My uncle has one. He loves it, right? Yes. And loads loads of people love them. I That's saw the pres- one. Of the, the president's dog. It is. Yeah, one of those was in Limerick Animal Welfare at Christmas. So, like oh. every kind of a dog you could want. Could be expensive. Available. Yeah. 
Yeah, but every kind of a dog you could want is available to be adopted. I say, I say adopt, don't shop. And I mean, the thing is, that people say, oh, you used to be vetted by the, the centre before yeah. they give you one. There's a reason yeah. they, they're not going to give you a particular type of dog. So going off and no. buying it, because you're, you're, you're because it doesn't suit because you've got small kids or even yes. in an apartment or you yes. don't have an enclosed garden. Like I'm not going to. They're not going to give a golden retriever to someone who lives on the sixth floor, and that's a good thing. Yeah. So don't go off and buy one to bypass that. You know. I mean, but like if I can just say, lurchers and greyhounds again, PJ, they are mm. like couch potatoes. Well, I have you. And I've, I've had, greyhound lovers have said this to me before, and let's let's talk about it again. Lurchers, and uh, my daughter's a veterinary nurse and absolutely adores lurchers. They're lazy buggers, I'm told. Unbelievable, unbelievable. <laughs> I tell you now, this one here I'm looking at now as I as I get her breakfast late for her because I, um, she slept in is a 19 hour a day sleeper. I'd say. <laughs> and the, the, the contortionism that goes on when she's asleep is a sight to behold. I should send you in a few pictures of that. <laughs> try, try to but, find a place that she can yeah, because unwind like, all them big legs. Yeah. Oh, sure, look, she has several beds. But, like, when I was looking to get a dog, um, I I associated size with effort. So I said, well, we had Jack Russell's and Terriers, and I was going to get one. But the more I looked into it, the lurcher, you know, I would have said, oh, I couldn't have a big dog. I couldn't wouldn't be able to go all day with them. But they are an unbelievable couch potato. Couple of walks, maybe a bit of a run if they can get out, and a mm. good long walk a day, and you're laughing. And it brings you on to the next point, which we, we need to start, you know, we need a dog park in Cork. Yeah. We're second class citizens when it comes to it. You know, if there was, there's hundreds, if not thousands of dog owners around Cork that, that could and would use this facility. Yeah. And, you know, if there was a couple of hundred skateboarders, a skateboard park would be built. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of people go up to it, I don't know if you know it, Dan. Gary Duff Woods and yeah, they I'm only living across the road. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, take yeah. their dogs up, and now they're not supposed to, and you're not allowed to recommend it. But they do. They take their dogs off the lead, and the dogs just they do. love it. They do. But if you've ever seen um, a couple of lurchers and greyhounds and other dogs in full flight running around, just running around, the speed it of is it. it is brilliant to look at. And I mean, somewhere safe mm. to watch them. Limerick has a has um dog park. Dog park. They're, they're in Dublin. Um I hate this Irishism like you know, if it's somewhere else we can have it. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, I'd agree you with know? you, Dan. We need it we need a dog park for Cork. I, as I said, my my two my my one of them I've had Cavachon and he mm-hmm. would run for Ireland. Run and run, okay, well, and run after I, a I, ball for Ireland. I'll tell you PJ, I'll tell you, on a personal level, um there is a park in Cork that is used occasionally, shall remain unnamed even though it's 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 well known. But, like, I've met some great people down there with dog owners and learned a lot about being a dog owner yeah. through conversing with those people. Um, there she is. You know, Where's my yeah. breakfast? Where's my <laughs> breakfast? I, I heard it. Where's my breakfast? <laughs> I know, yeah. We were up at six o'clock because she's a bit sick. It's like having a child with her look. I know. I know. Practice for me. Practice for me. <laughs> I know. Jen, thank you. Uh, 0818969696. Yeah, I'll go home now and... What generally happens is when the uncle is having his breakfast before he goes out to, to his day centre, uh, he leaves the crusts of his toast <laughs> and I'll go home and I won't be two minutes in and the dog will be sitting at the end of the kitchen island whining because she knows that the, t- the toast crusts are up there and she wants them. They've been there since nine o'clock this morning and she'll want them when I go home. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. One more. Is it that four or five I'm going to lads? Four or five four. Peter. Peter. 
Hello. Hi, How are you, PJ? You want to make a point about puppy farms? Yes, well, I don't have a specific experience with the puppy farms, but I'm a dog owner myself, you know, and I love animals. I have a cat, and I know you're the cat lover as well. You have yes. some of them as well. Yes, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just listening to the radio about this, and, you know, obviously I don't have a specific case, but it was just me personally, you know, kind of reacting to the sad reality of, you know, how everything is in general, you know, not just with the dogs and, and cats, but, I mean, in our relationship as humans, you know, maybe I will go more spiritual to this, but I mean, I think we do suffer as humans, especially in the last three years through our own kind of a drama and everything that's happening to us. But I think, you know, people are seeing themselves kind of separated from the nature and from the environment, maybe due to our technologies. But I think what's very important to highlight uh, is for, for us to actually realize, you know, how we fit to this whole kind of a puzzle of living on this planet, you know? Yes. So it's more kind of a spiritual kind of a approach to this, that, you know, we are not treating animals, you know, only dogs kind of uh, poorly, but also, you know, let's say in Ireland, you know, it could be the horses and, yes. uh, and a lot of, of that stuff is going on. So, you know, my phone call is not really to kind of complain or bellyache or find solutions, but I think maybe just to talk to people's hearts and most of the dog owners, yeah. They love their they love their dogs, you know. They are mm-hmm. their family members. They have names. They sleep with them in the, in the bed, you know, sure, and all. Sure. So, so you know, we invest our energy, our love, and it basically becomes part of your your family. It does. It's kind of, yeah. you know. And some people don't understand that, you know. They they see animals as, you know, some sort of a lower being, you know, that um, it doesn't really have a full rights. And you know, in all fairness, when you when we think about it that way, you know, they don't have any rights really, you know. Yeah. I think I think people who don't see a dog as part of the family have never had a dog as part of the family. And I know you love animals, and I know you advocate, and I, I hear you know that you have cats. I had two cats, and I saved a little puppy yeah. while I was working somewhere in Sibirin or Scarborough, and he just became like a, like a spiritual guide for me. That's he literally right. picked. He literally fixed everything for us. Me and me and my partner brought the happiness to to, to my life. Yeah. And I know that the majority of people are good people, and especially in Ireland. I'm a foreigner. I live here 17 years, originally from the Czech Republic, but okay. I feel kind of half paddy at this stage. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, I. But I mean, I guess it's for all of us Irish people in general. 99 percent are just amazing people. They are very tuned in with the nature, you know, the Celtic tiger, you know, the history is here. Irish nation suffered quite a lot, was always suppressed. So I think we are actually okay here, you know, in Ireland, I think when it comes to feeling part of the nature society, but I think globally, this is a big issue. And I think there are much worse cases in the different countries. I'm sure there, oh, there are, you want to go to China and see how they treat yeah. dogs, you know, and, 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 particularly greyhounds when they end up in China. Peter, thank you for that. Good call. Appreciate it. 0818 96 96 96. One of the things we did in our house, I don't think I've ever shared this with you before, we rescued a breeding dog, a breeding bitch, from a puppy farm. I won't say where the puppy farm was, but it was down in, in West Cork, and there was a couple of pups available, and... We heard through friends of ours that this uh, breeding bitch was for was for uh, euthanizing because she'd had 
four or five litters and they had no more. They wanted no more to do with her. And we said, no, up with this, we will not put. Get us that dog. And we called her Honey. And she was a little King Charles. Beautiful little dog. Very traumatised. Very, very bad health. We took her to the vet. The vet said she'd been bred so much that she had adhesions upon adhesions inside her. He did his best. And she lived for a few years with us. And I like to think we gave her a, a happy retirement. She was a gorgeous little thing. So, yeah, a breeding dog from a puppy farm, if you adopt one of those, you see the damage that's done. 0818 96 96 96. This guy was amazing. This guy from Croatia, and he was, he's actually one of the best salesmen I've ever spoken to in my entire life. And was it because he was so nice? Nice, informative. Do you know that I'm a pretty nifty salesperson as well? Go on. I'm really, really good you at selling. You the old Jordan Belfort now on me. I Send can. me this pen. Here's a pen. Yeah. All right. How much would you give me for that pen? Uh, 50 cents. Sold. There you go. Thank you very much. Wow. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Exclusively Skoda in the City. Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. That is shocking from uh, Argus. 400 workers to lose their jobs across the Republic of Ireland, including. Uh, workers here in Cork in two stores at Mahan Point and in Blackpool. 400 workers in total. Let us hope and mandate the trade union uh, responsible and we know they'll do their level best for their members. But let us hope and let us state it on the record here now uh, on the opinion line on the what day is it? The 19th of January when this news breaks let us not have another Debenhams here. Let us not have another Vita Cortex here. Let us not have another Clearies here or anything like that. Let us see these people who lose their jobs. These are commercial decisions made by people whose paychecks run like telephone numbers. They're made and that is it. But let us have these 400 people properly, properly looked after and properly taken care of. If you must lose your job, then you deserve a proper severance in any decent society. And Argos has made money in Ireland over the years. So let us hope these people are taken good care of. 0818 96 96 96. Just uh, going back to knife crime, which we were discussing earlier on, and indeed yesterday, and the Lord Mayor's idea that there would be mandatory sentences for carrying a knife and an even stiffer mandatory sentence for using a knife. Bernie says I don't think the upbringing and or mental health of a person convicted of crime 
should ever be taken into account in sentencing. This is a reference back to what I was saying myself, having watched it for years as a court reporter. Um, that, that, and I call it my, the hand-wringing, and to use a great old Irish word, canav shawling, that goes on in, in courts uh, with members of the defence making this case and that case and the other case to mitigate for the little snot in, in the in the box who has 94 previous convictions and, and trying to explain how, how awful his childhood was and how terribly broken his family was. Uh, nothing like as broken as the arm of the 80-odd-year-old pensioner that he's practically ripped off trying to get her handbag for for 15 quid that was in it so I've no time for that old nonsense neither has neither has Bernie and she makes a better point she says there are many people who grew up in tough circumstances many people with severe mental health difficulties who do no harm to anyone well said Bernie well said it's almost an insult to bring that nonsense into a courtroom thank you 0818969696 we've got a statement from the diocesan office from Father Tom Hayes up there on the situation with regard to funerals and I want to have a read over it and, uh, and, and go through it before the end of the show. There is a change, but it's a change for a reason. The church, on the phone, the church will probably say removals are best done in funeral homes which are designed for them. In fact, that's exactly what they've said in this statement. But they should also consider there are people like me who use religion to understand and comprehend death and for us, it was very helpful to sympathise with the family in a religious setting. Thank you for that one. We will come back. We have had a statement from Father Tom at the diocesan office. Just a quick one. Uh, my name is Lucy Murphy. My school, St. Angela's College, is having our school musical, The Wedding Singer, in the Ferkin Crane. Great place. With three shows, tonight, Friday and Saturday, each night at 8 Tickets on sale at the Firkin Crane website, and I presume they'll be on the door as well. 15 euro, thank you, says Lucy. You're more than welcome. Oh, we can go to the union, can we? Okay, Michael Megan of the Mandate Trade Union. Uh, thank you for taking my call at such short notice, Michael. Um, what, more, what more can you tell us about this um, mandate or this Argos situation? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, we were informed this morning, as, as all the staff were in Argus, that uh, the business uh, have taken the decision to close all their uh, stores in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, that that the, all stores will be closed in June. There's a, a small number of stores whose leases are, are, are expiring will be closing from March. April, May, but the rest of them will be going in June. And do we know wh when the Cork stores will go, Michael? Are they earlier or later? Uh, I'm not 100% sure okay. on the... I think, I think they'll definitely be gone by June anyway. Okay. Has the company given a reason here? Or did, and, they, and did anyone see it coming? Uh, well, basically, they've been closing a number of stores as the leases have been, have been expiring over the last year or so. Uh, so the, the, the business uh, here in the Republic of Ireland has been very difficult for the company is what they're telling us. Uh, basically, uh, the cost of doing business between rent and rent expenses and the cost as a result of Brexit and all that has really impacted big on their business here in the Republic. 
Okay. Now, presumably, there's 400 workers in Ireland. I assume that you'll sit down with management now to try and cut a deal for them. We're entering into um, consultation um, meetings with them now, starting at the end of this month. Okay. I just mentioned there, before I took your call, that um, I remember debitums and I remember other things like that. Let us hope there won't be another... Um, we'll be looking for a good deal, I take it, for your people, yeah, Michael. We have we have an agreed package there with them, and we'll be looking for uh, we're looking for commitment to that package. And uh, if we can if we can better that, we'll we'll do our best. All right, all right. Thank you very much for taking our call. At short notice, that's Michael Megan with the trade union, the shop workers trade union mandate. The news, in case you've missed it, is Argos have announced this morning they are closing all of their Irish branches. They will be gone by June. Some of them have leases up in March. Some of them hold on until June. And Argos has taken the decision at headquarters to close its entire Republic of Ireland operation. 400 workers to lose their jobs. All those jobs to be gone by June. Mandate is their trade union. And you've just heard Michael Megan here on the Opinion Line telling us that they will do their level best for their people. There is an agreement in place with Argos and Mandate, so at least we expect that Mandate will persuade them to honour that agreement and maybe even do a little bit better. But to anybody in the Cork sites affected by this this morning, our thoughts are with you and your families because that's not news of any, that's not good news to be getting at a time when we are struggling, people are struggling with household bills and struggling with utilities and energy and all of that and to get the news that your job will be gone by June. And even at a time when we have practically, so we're told, full employment and there is work out there, it's still no time to get that news that your job will be gone by June. So our thoughts are with with them and certainly hopes would be high in, in my mind anyway and I'm sure anyone who listens to the opinion I will know how I st- sit on this uh, let us hope that all those people are properly looked after 0818 96 96 96 Me and my people be rolling Join Casey and Ross in the morning on Cork's 96 FM for your chance to win with stonegymsolutions.ie We're giving away a voucher worth €1,500 for a home gym so you can choose any equipment from cardio, strength, weights, yoga and more. Listen to Casey and Ross all week from 6am to win and get back on track with your fitness this January with stonegymsolutions.ie Only on Cork's 96 FM Join the conversation Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we're hearing now that staff at the Cork Mandate outlets in Blackpool and in Mahan Point found out about this at 8 o'clock this morning. We are t- trying to see if we can source uh, someone from the company to speak to us either today or tomorrow or whenever. But... Uh, We've taken the usual steps, as they say. 0818 96 96 96. And it's something we will stay with and come back to as necessary. But Kira, here's an old subject uh, that's been discussed many times and you want to bring it up again. I'm talking about injection sites, injection rooms, safe spaces, to use that word, for people to go and use their drugs to inject their heroin to do it in a place where they're supervised and minded and warm and dry so they're not doing it 
in a doorway. So they're not doing it at the back of a block of flats. So they're not leaving the syringe and the needle in the street where someone was fortunate could walk it, walk on it or come across it or worse still that their children would. And this is something that's been debated for years, whether these places are right and whether Cork should have one. Kira, you firmly believe that we should have uh, these centres and we should indeed have one of them in Cork. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. I absolutely support this 100%. Um, so we do have a really high rate of drug-related deaths in Ireland and heroin is implicated in, in many of these. I think it's about a quarter of the overdose deaths in Ireland. In, in um, Cork, we have an estimated 500 heroin users and these centres have been really successful all over the world, like primarily Australia. There's examples in Europe, uh, Canada, the United States has also been, you know, creating these facilities. And in these facilities, there have been no recorded overdose deaths, not one, because people are supervised. They're in a safe environment. You know, they have access to clean needles. Uh, they can dispose of the needles safely. This reduces the risk of children finding these needles, you know, on yeah. the street and things like that. Um, another factor which isn't too prominent in Ireland is uh, fentanyl contamination, which is a really huge deal in the United States. There, there's a fentanyl contamination crisis. Yes, yes. I've, I've read about that actually, Kira, and it's very serious. Yeah, it's very serious. And it doesn't appear to be a huge problem here. Now, I'm going off the... Um, Health Research Board statistics from 2019, I think they were published, but they refer to fentanyl-related deaths in Dublin. But that was years ago. Now, um, from what I understand, there's been a delay in publishing new research like this due to COVID. Mm. Um, So there might be further delay, but I'm really hoping to see some updated statistics on this, especially around the fentanyl, because considering the international nature of the black market drugs trade, we well could be getting contaminated drugs here. And, you know, we wouldn't really know because people don't often test their drugs when they really should, which is another service offered by the safe injection facilities. They'll check your drugs. You bring your drugs they check them for you. They can determine if they're contaminated. They can tell you what they are. You know, there are um, drug drug checking kits available in head shops, but you need to learn how to use them properly, you know? So if you have a substance and you, you test the substance with this kit, it doesn't tell you what it isn't, you know? Yeah. It will tell you if it's heroin or not. It'll change color. They're color reagent uh, testing kits, but it won't tell you what you have you know, but you don't have what you think you have. But do you still take them? But people don't really, you know, people don't really have the education and the awareness. And this is something we need to be teaching, you know, people in secondary school, essentially, when they begin to experiment with substances, you know? Yeah, yeah. You see, one thing that comes up, Kira, when you have a discussion like this um, is, and people will, they'll ring up and say, but but why would you open a centre and use resources to allow people or to facilitate people, to enable people take an illegal drug. Why would you do that? Well, people are going to take them anyway. And it's much safer for individuals, the individuals who use these substances, and the communities, the wider communities. It's it's safer to use these sites. You know, I've mentioned the reduced risk of overdose and infection, you know, checking the substances is part of that. Um, but these centres can actually take pressure off the HSE um, by, you know, preventing these overdoses and having yeah. not having people have to, you know, access emergency services themselves. And they also act as an avenue for people to to seek uh, recovery services yeah. if they choose to. Yeah, well, if you, if you want help, it's a good place to start to ask for it, I suppose. 
Exactly. So I don't think we should view these facilities as an other because addiction is, it's a, you know, it's a health issue, you know? So these services should be funded by HSE, if you get what I'm saying. I do, I do, I do. The other yeah. question that would come up, and I'm sure someone will, will, will either text or, or message and say, well, Kira, would you have one of these centres across the road from your house? Where are we going to put them? Actually, um, you know, an analogy which I love comparison I'll make, which is um, I actually am very close to a pub which is a safe consumption site, but for alcohol which is, you know, a psychoactive substance, it's legal, however it's the most harmful substance one can use. The most dangerous drug that's out there, the most damaging drug that's out there is one that's perfectly legal to buy over the counter in, in hundreds of different places and probably I've been, one, more than one person has said to me before more than one expert has said to me before Kira, if they invented alcohol now would ban it Oh, absolutely. We absolutely would. You know, but like the reason these substances are banned aren't, they're not based in science. You know, it's, it was, you know, moral outrage and there was a lot of kind of racism involved in, in the prohibition of, of substances, you know, and we're only kind of starting to move away from that now in the last, mm. you know, 10 plus years when we've realized that the war of drug on drugs has failed, you know, and put put people at more risk and cause more problems, more death. There's a great guy at UCC that I've spoken to, a man called Pat Leahy, and he's a big believer in, in harm reduction. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that too. <laughs> yeah, his belief is, well, look, they're going to take these things anyway. So can we at least help them to make sure they don't kill themselves in the process? Yeah, like that's the main goal. I mean, like the question is, the questions here are, do we want to save lives? Do we want to make our community safer? You know, I like I can. Um, there was a, a study I read uh, about uh, one of the centres they opened in Sydney. It was an older study. It was, I think, the late 2000s. But, uh, you know, they kind of queried businesses around the area and, you know, people in the community. And um, they reported seeing less needles around the place, seeing less people, you know, injecting. It made a huge difference. It was, you know, like 75 percent plus differences in, in, you know, seeing people you know, using drugs in public, public and discarding their needles. And, you know, I think, I think that's more of a, it's more of a risk than having, having a safe consumption site, which I, I, I liken to a pub, you know, because I view substances, they're substances, you know, they're, they're drugs, they're all drugs. There's, there's not good drugs and bad drugs, they're all just drugs. You know, drugs are inert. Yeah. Like, we have drug apartheid, like, it's fine to drink alcohol and caffeine, but you can't smoke cannabis or, or you know, do heroin, you know? like. Yeah. But I think it would be really helpful um, if people change the way they view substances, which also helps to destigmatize people, and that's the main problem here. Kira, you're very knowledgeable about all of this, and that's a compliment, by the way. Thank it, you. You're passionate um, about it, are you? I am. Uh, my interest in substances comes from a misspent youth, but I <laughs> recently did a psychology degree and it's kind of always been an area of interest of mine, you know. Um, I'm currently doing psychedelic studies uh, in, in a, a post-grad program, so it's, you know, it's an area of interest. Psychedelic studies? Yeah, so it's um, <laughs> it's through University of Ottawa. It's a micro program, okay. uh, which will lead to a master's eventually, I hope. So you're kind of doing a master's in tripping. Uh, yeah, like I just want to be, I'd love to be a professional trip sitter, you know, just kind of guide people <laughs> through the experience. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know we're laughing about something very serious, but your point stands. There's a case to be made for these centres. Absolutely. Yeah, we need them. We need them. Can I recommend a book before I go? Please. 
Okay, so the book I would recommend to people who want to understand substance use better, get a more comprehensive understanding of substances and the history of substance legislation and policy, all of this stuff. There's a book called Drug Use for Grown-Ups by Dr. Carl Hart. He's a Ziff professor at a Columbia University in New York, I believe. Yeah. But wonderful book. Highly recommend that to anybody who wants to understand substances better, the people who use them. You know, he's, um, he's a neuropsychopharmacologist, so he's been studying drugs for like 30 years. Uh, he grew up in, in a ghetto in my, Miami and saw crack cocaine ravage his community. Right. He, went, he went into substance use with a view that, you know, crack cocaine is bad. Uh, and it should be stuck, but that's not what his research showed him at all, you know? Fascinating. He is the man. He is the expert. So, like, I would I would implore anybody who wants to understand this better or is interested in substance use, like, I would implore them to read that book. It's a fantastic read. Kira, it's been a great conversation. Thank you. <laughs> it's been fab. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Kira. That's the young, intelligent, bright person making her point so clearly and so well. I'm very tempted to go and, and find that book. I'd love to talk to that professor as well about this whole thing. She opens that discussion up again, though. Uh, drug centres, safe injection centres. Would you have one? Would you want them, first of all? Do you, would you agree with the whole concept, first of all? And as for where would you put one and who would pay for it? Well, as Kira says, she lives near a pub. That is a centre where we go in regulated circumstances, to quite legally buy and take a drug. So, just because heroin is, is illegal, then we why shouldn't we have a centre to go and take that safely? It's a thought. Join that conversation, 0818 96 96 96. But right now I need you to text or WhatsApp. We're going to play Live Free in 23 with Cork Credit Unions. That huge prize pack to be had, including a pair of tickets for every gig live at the Marquee, a credit union account with your name on it and a grand in cash sitting in it, a thousand euro worth of shopping and so much more. You need to get on to register now at 083 396 and when I call you and I will call somebody I will call somebody uh, and they need to answer the phone correctly. I want to live free with Cork's 96 FM. Live free in 23. Oh my God! With Cork Credit Unions. Here for you always. Spending money. Okay. Cork's 96 FM. So, no more Mr. Nice Guy. If you don't answer this quickly, I'll move on and I'll dial another number until I get the right answer. I want to live free with Cork's 96 FM. Now we're four days into it. You need to be known. I was looking at the WhatsApp and they were flooding in. We've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of texts and WhatsApp. So I've picked a number here. Let us go and see if we can get this person to answer their phone. Seven one two six. Okay, here we go. Answer your phone. If we can get through. Come on. Can we get through? No. Okay. <laughs> that one's gone, so we'll do another one. Here we go. Are we right? Pick up the line. Nine. 
Okay. Now. We're ringing. Come on, answer your phone. Properly. I want to live free with Cork's next six FM. Yes! Evelyn White! Oh my god! Hey! <laughs> You're true, Evelyn! Where, Thank you where, so much. where are you? Carrigaline. Carrigaline. All yeah. right. You were the second number. The first number I dialed, I got a very strange engagement. I wouldn't mind, but I'm standing there holding the phone going, come on, PJ, ring me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I did. Have you Thank seen, you so much. Have you seen the list of what's here that you might win in a couple of weeks' time? I have, and that's why I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, there's uh, like 500 euro hair and beauty, 1,000 euro worth of fuel, a holiday. Where would you go? It's it's holiday booking time. Where would you go? I would take the kids to Disney. Take the kids to Disney. There's that's a good That's where step. I would be going. Yeah, definitely. Well, you never know. You might be able to do that. You're in the draw, Evelyn White in Carrigaline. You're in. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Enjoy. And I'll put you back onto the lads, get a bit more detail off you there. She's on two, lads. Yeah, that's another qualifier for today. See, we're getting a bit better at it now. I won't tell you who the first one was who got the strange engaged tone, but Evelyn White is our qualifier today. Live free in 23 on Cork's 96FM brought to you by Cork Credit Unions here for you always Join the conversation Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696 This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan Cork's 96 FM That's a really cool idea we were talking a few months ago to the slow about the slow camera group and slow camera exchange people and they have a really cool idea they basically put out the question did you meet your partner while studying or working in UCC and does your love story have a special UCC connection and then we want to hear from you and you are completely subscribed in fact you're almost oversubscribed Alana Daly Mulligan morning Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. Now, we talked about the slow cameras before. Such a cool idea. So this is a development of it. What did you do? And people flooded to take part. Yeah, you know, we have to say we've been completely overwhelmed with the response from couples. Um, And we kind of came up with the idea that who doesn't love a a little bit of love coming up to Valentine's Day? And we got in touch with UCC and said, hey, what do you think of this as an idea if we get UCC couples to talk to us? They'll pose for us in front of our one of our beautiful four by five monorail cameras and we'll put on an exhibition of it. And they were like, sounds fantastic. And I have to give a big shout out to Jane Haynes, who was just so supportive of this. Um, and then we put it up on social media. And as you as you mentioned, it kind of went a little bit viral and it did really well. Um, so we've been overwhelmed and now all our slots are filled. But we're hoping to do something like this again in the near future. And there's going to be an alternative event next in two weekends' time, where anyone in the public can participate in something in the city library. Brilliant, brilliant. The slow camera project is a really nice one. Uh, it's all these old cameras, pre-digitals, where everyone didn't have a camera on, on their phone and, and old boxes and instamatics and clicks and bangs and flashes. <laughs> Great cameras. That's it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And, you know, we're we're at the stage in the project now where we're putting the cameras into the libraries and we're having an open session on the 25th of January for anyone who's interested in maybe taking out a camera as an artist or maybe if they want to facilitate some camera groups um, coming into us. So on the 25th of January in the library, we're, we're having an event to just 
let people actually touch the cameras and get in, maybe get a little bit excited about all the things that can happen with them. You have about 100 cameras now in the collection. We do, we do. We have about 100, but I would say about 50 of them will be working um, for the workshops that are, are, you can let them out to people because some of the cameras are extremely specialist. And I, I think the, the thing I've been saying about the analog cameras, they're like people, they all have their little personalities and quirks. Yes. And if you don't know what you're doing, you, you, um, you can sometimes damage them and no one sure. means to, but um, we're, we're going to be letting out very specific, easier ones to use very for people. Good. Very um, good. And then more advanced artists can get the the ones with the extreme personalities, I suppose. Very good. What kind of stories have, have been coming into you, Lana? Oh, we've got some some really stunning ones. So we've got one about a couple who met in the, uh, they met in college, they were studying, and they used to meet every day in the centre of the quad. Um, we had, oh goodness, we had some couples who, um, who are engaged to be married after their degrees. I don't want to ruin all the surprises. We okay. have a lot coming out. We'll have everything online as well. We'll have a little campaign around it um, if people want to follow along. We have a website and it'll all be there as well as in the, the libraries in Cork City over the Fantastic. next And it's month. the 11th of February is the event three days before Valentine's Day. Yes, that's it. So if you want to come into the library from 12pm to 2pm in Cork City Library on um the main library in town, um, we're going to have a pop-up Polaroid session and we're encouraging people to bring the people they love in. So it can be your partner, your parents, your granny, your goldfish, whatever person you love in your life. And we just want to tell positive stories and spread the love coming up to Valentine's. Sound. All right. Where can people get to, to look at it? I know, it's all, I know it's fully subscribed, but you're looking for love in UCC. We'll bring it up on Facebook, won't it? Yeah, looking for love in UCC. Or if you want to go to the slowcameraexchange.com forward slash analog love stories, um, it's all there and right. we'll be posting stuff for the next few weeks Alright, Alana good luck with it um, we talk again Alana Daily Mulligan the Slow Camera Exchange Group they are completely oversubscribed for this event in UCC around about Valentine's Day 0818 96 96 96 just on funerals and priests and I have that statement which I promise I will read before we finish it's a statement from the Dustin office from Father Tom on the situation uh, Bernie, wait, no, not Bernie. Where's that gone on me now, my page? Oh, yeah. Hi, PJ. We might as well just cut out the middlemen, the priests, and not bother going to the church at all. Just let the lay people who say the prayers in the funeral homes do the prayers at the graveside. That'd save a fortune. 300 quid for the priest and 100 euro for the sacristan. That's in from Craig the Trucker. It's kind of turning into a discussion on the cost of funerals as well. But there hasn't been an explanation given as to why now. Yes, there's still a ceremony in the funeral home and visitation and prayer and sympathising with the family will happen, all happen in the funeral home. And I guess when there's a mass the following day at a church, then you do your sympathising there too. But the removal where the the coffin is brought in the church to the church on the same evening, that's not going to be happening in the Diocese of Cork and Ross in the future and as I say I have an explanation as to why which I will bring you before we finish but Mossy, is he ready to go lads? Yes, Mossy was listening to to Kira uh, about the drug injection centres and the case she was making for them. You disagree Mossy? Well it's not that I disagree it's just that her attitude like you know like a pub is a drug so like on a pub it says drugs more or less is, is what she was saying along with tobacco uh, like heroin is a very uncontrolled drug like mm. you know I have no problem with a centre going in 
Right. And there was three there was three areas identified in the survey three years ago that the city council did. And the three areas were Wellington Road, McCartan Street and the Grand Parade. Yeah. Now I made a submission to the city development plan that while the while the council are redeveloping um uh, the Grand Parade in the Victorian quarter that they can slip in one of these injection centres mm. and I can guarantee you something, PJ, you know as well as I do that the business owners in, in McCartan Street won't tolerate that for one minute. Mm. It wouldn't be accepted. So, mm. like, why should people like me accept it outside my front door then if it was to go outside my front door? Well, Kira's point in response to that, I, I did put that question to her, is that, look, she lives very near a pub and a pub is... A place where we legally there's no relevance. Hold, hold on a second, Mark. Let me point yeah. to you. Yeah. We, legal, we, le- we legally buy a drug, a substance, a, mine, a, a psychoactive substance, which alcohol is. We buy it legally over the counter and we socialise around it. Yeah, but are, are, you, are you seriously comparing heroin to alcohol? I'm not. That's the point yeah. she was making. I'm not. I'm not yeah. making the comparison. I'm just saying. Well, that- but but the one thing is true, Mossy. They are both drugs. One is regulated, one is not. That's a ridiculous argument to make. Why is it ridiculous, though? Because you get a licence to sell alcohol in the premises. You have to control the premises. But that's what regulation is. But most people that I do, I I know a PJ, you know, they don't go... No, I'm not saying in in, in a a flipping manner here. Like, like they control themselves, they go to the the pub for a drink with their partner or themselves and they come home. And there's no messing, there's no... There's no crime written around that. Yeah, none. I'm fond of I'm fond of a few points myself, Marcy, as you know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 likewise, like myself, like I have I have a, a chap you mentioned, someone from UCC, there, the gentleman way to go as well, because then it's had the tail end. Pat Lee, he is a lecturer at UCC who's been on the program with me before. Believe is he believes in harm reduction, and that's that's a that's a kind of a reason behind these centres to avoid people who have a drug problem, who take drugs, to give them a place to take it safely where they won't kill themselves. Well, yeah, brilliant. And there's enough to land up in UCC. Let's build one up there and put her up there, picture. So you're saying, OK, but not on my back door. Not on my, well, you're, you're, remember, you're nimbying, Marcy. PJ, hang on a second. Now, a few years ago, you really went to town on, on a particular institution in the city because the homeless centre was due to open across the road from the gate to that place and it never actually opened. Do you remember that? I don't. R- r- refresh my memory if, if, if you want to. On the Western, ro- on the Western Road. Do you remember there was meant to be a centre there for people? It was like a shelter for people that were coming out of addiction. Oh, you're talking about a wet centre, wasn't it? Or was no. it? Or was it talk? Oh, Chalk Ferry, you're talking. Yeah, I supported. I supported the opening of Chalk Ferry and proudly did, and and would yeah, support it again it, tomorrow. Yeah, but that was held up for years. People. It was. It was, and we we to this day we still don't know why. But at least they got it open in the end. Yeah, exactly. But why was it held up for years, PJ? I don't know, Mossy. I always tried. To, I always wanted to know, but I never quite found out. I had a few rumours, but yeah. Exactly, and people very close to that area didn't want that centre open. Well, we don't know that because it never. It, no one ever said it to me why, but well, but they didn't yeah, want. I, but it, they got it open in the end, and I, I don't anyone, think. That, I don't think there's anything terrible happened since. Do you? No, but my point isn't about anything terrible happening at all, PJ. My point is about the length of time it took to open it because people had objections against it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, you'll have the exact same thing. Oh, you will. No doubt. Whatever you want to put one of these things, if you want to open it. Uh, I just thought thought that girl's argument about pubs and heroin and cocaine and everything else along those lines was just a ridiculous argument. But would you deny that, would you deny, Massey, that that, that alcohol is a legalised psychoactive drug? Of course it is. Yeah, that's the point she was making. 
Oh, I know, yeah, but try to compare it with walking into a pub as as to walking in, like, like, like a, a heroin injecting centre. Yeah. They're not supervised drug facilities. They're not uh, comfort rooms. They're heroin injecting centres, PJ. That's what they are. All right. Okay. Yeah. But like, yeah. What, what do you think that sh- should happen, so, Mossy, with a place like that? Well, PJ, I'm involved. I'm involved in coaching all my life in my local J club. Every, every day of the week when I'm up there with the kids, I constantly talk to them about their education and I constantly talk to them about the pitfalls in life. And two of those pitfalls, you're right, alcohol and drugs. But drugs are a lot more severe than alcohol, PJ. A lot more severe. Oh, I think you'd probably find that there's more alcohol well, issues well, behind closed doors in Ireland, Mossy, than there are drug issues. Well, I know. I, I, I'd agree with you there. But, 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 but heroin, PJ, heroin is a, is, is a deadly, it deadly is. drug. Absolutely. It is a deadly drug. Absolutely. And, and like, there's not there's not a doctor in the world who will tell you the same with alcohol. There's not a doctor in the world will tell you that by taking heroin, you're going to have a better existence in this world. Well, there's here's the thing, Marcy. Go back in 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 history, and this I'm 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 being a bit, I suppose probably being a bit smart out here. But go back in history. Do you know what they used to give you to get off cocaine back in the day? It was opium, was it, or something like that? Heroin. <laughs> I know, I know. So, yeah. so you, what, what? So the centres, but not it, on my, it, not not in my back. No, no, no. Let the council put them in in the three areas that they identify themselves: the Grand Parade, Wellington Road, and McCourt Street. All right, Massey, Thank you. Good conversation. I enjoy talking to you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm not pro addiction. Uh, says this message, but. I literally know someone who works in a huge multinational who takes heroin. They're not exactly sprawling in the street. Yeah, that, that's the point. There's drug use everywhere. Right to the churches and to try to figure out what is happening. We got a statement in from Father Tom Hayes at the diocesan office. And he says there are a few elements to what people are talking about. Now, I'll come to you, Kathleen, just once I go through this. The church building is best used for prayer, reflection and worship. The funeral home is best used for the social function of meeting the deceased family and offering condolences. The body can overnight in the church, but the purpose of this is to support the family, funeral home and clergy in preparing for the funeral, not for socialisation as a general rule. They may prefer an overnight solution, leaving them free to prepare for the service the following day. We try to be flexible in supporting the family, and there are no hard and fast rule. But we do feel that the church is for prayer, reflection and worship, and that the family is better supported by having sympathising happening in the funeral home. People were uncomfortable. This is from Father Tom. A lot of people were uncomfortable with the social function being performed at the church. There's been a lot of support for this idea of separating them out and do what we do best in the church. Some people found their prayer and reflection was difficult when others were coming in and sympathising. So this addresses that. Kathleen. Yes, good morning. That's the statement from the diocesan office. Your response? PJ, lovely talking to you. This is Kathleen Murphy from Crosshaven. Listen. That bishop wants to cop himself on. I'm a Galway woman living here in Crosshaven. Now, if my son or my daughter have to take me out of this place, 
to take me to Dublin or back home to Galway to be buried, the bishop would be paying for it. How dare he? We want to go to the church. I'm a church go Well, I'm not at the moment because mm. I was very ill. How dare he? But, but, but hold, on now, hold on now, Kathleen. There, there will be a church. You'll be brought to the funeral home. We can do visitation at the funeral home there. And then there'll be prayers. And then the day of your requiem mass, you'll be brought to the church for your requiem mass. So you will still be going to church. Yeah, but why, why change it? He haven't the pockiest idea, that bishop, of how to run a parish. He came down here from Dublin. Well, he was appointed here, no, to be fair, Kathleen. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and the, 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 the explanation from Father Tom at the diocesan office, who effectively is the bishop's press officer, was that we're separating out the functions. The church will do what it does best. The funeral home can do what it does best. And, 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 that's, and that's what they feel. Well, the best thing for him now is stop dictating to us. I'm a peace commissioner, and I will say what I have to say. Would you I, Would you like to be kept overnight in the church? I would. Why? That is the tradition. Mm. And the church is my, only for my prayers, I would not be where I am today. Because when I went up to Dublin to the hospital, I, got, I had two days to live. I was so ill. Right. And my prayers brought me through. Yes. So no bishop will tell me that I can't go into a church overnight. I've been going to church all my life, and how dare he? Mm. What do and you, th- it, what do you it, think about cremation, Kathleen, then? Oh, no. No, out of the question. Why? No. Why? No. I know you say no, but why? Sorry. I just don't approve of it. Why not? I just don't, uh, PJ. I want to be cremated. I've told my family. Oh, for gracious, no. Why, Kathleen? You you say no, but tell me why. Oh, well, it's not a tradition, really, is it? I think I've been at at a number of cremations. um, One for a departed colleague and friend here at the radio station. Yeah, Lord Mercy. And I thought, this was um, Jim a couple of years ago, I think it's beautiful. Well, I have my views on that, which I learned when I lived in England, but uh, I won't go down that road. But we uh, have a minute or two if you want to. Go on, Kathleen, yeah. No, I, when I walked in London, I was on... I won't, I won't start from the beginning. I was on the buses. I was a clippy. Sure, yeah, OK. And one of my drivers, he was part undertaker. Mm-hmm. And at the time, now this is going back many, many, many years ago, he told me that actually when somebody's been cremated, which was very rare at that time, that actually their body was taken out of the coffin and the coffin was taken away. I, I often heard that said, and I, I remember putting it to a to someone who worked in a crematorium and they said, absolute nonsense. Absolute no. nonsense. Well, he, he, he was an Irishman and I said, are you telling me the what? truth? Mind you, you, mind you, you know yourself, Kathleen, the, the other thing, like people will spend the price of a small car on a coffin, put me in a bag and no, throw me. No, I like to go... Oh, hold on, stuff. Father Hayes is on there. Hold on, Kathleen. Father yeah. Hayes from the last... Tom, you, you want to clarify, Kathleen can go to the church if she wants to, yes? Absolutely, there's never been a bar on a coffin being taken to a church overnight, PJ. Okay, and, and it won't, this, and, this, and there never this, will be. No, the change that was made is that 
historically the coffin was taken into the church and then a crowd came to sympathise with the family afterwards. Yes. All the, the change that's been made is that the sympathising is happening elsewhere, but the person can still be brought to the church and there are coffins taken to the churches every night as it is. Okay, 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 Tom, that, that, does, that does clarify. And she can it's stay if she wants to, and anyone, if anybody wants to, their loved one can stay in the church overnight. Absolutely, and there's absolutely no bar on that. Okay. And okay. There, there are companies, sometimes it's just the undertaker comes, sometimes the family comes, but there's no problem with a person's remains being overnight in a church before the funeral. Tom, thank you. That's Father Tom Hayes from the Dustin office. We're called in to clarify that. Kathleen, does that make you feel any bit better? Uh, I'll think about it. I don't know. As long as I'm taken to the church. Well, because you can be if you want to be. Father Tom has just said it. You can if, be. If, if I'm not ta- allowed to the church, well, my well, God, the bishop will be paying for my funeral. I'm telling you that now. Well, it looks like you will be, according to Father Tom Hayes, and we know Tom a long time, uh, straight up. Thank you, Kathleen. And thank you, Father Tom. That was a conversation that went madness this morning and that's what the programme is about we might as well cut out the middle of it and take him straight to the grave says another couple of comments that explanation from Father Tom you can go to the church overnight if you want to that's that that is the truth that's how it goes wow <laughs> programme edited by Emer O'Hay produced and researched by Fergal Barry thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did see you tomorrow just after nine are you ready Cork's 96FM loves Irish music as part of Irish Music Month this March on independent radio across Ireland we want you to take part in our local hero talent surge if you're in a band or solo artist you could be featured live on Cork's 96FM it's your chance to win an overall 10,000 euro prize fund get your record released and have your music played on 25 independent radio stations across Ireland for full details see 96FM.ie Irish Music Month this March, proudly supported by Hot Press, IBI, and the BAI Sound and Vision Fund on Cork's 96FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.